0: Austin and the worship team, thank you for leading us this morning in worship. I want to emphasize again something Austin said. While we're in times of worship and song, feel free to stand. Feel free to sit. Uh, We realize that different people worship in different ways. There are times where we just can't be contained and we have to stand. But there are other times where we will feel God's presence more if we're sitting. So you have permission to stand or sit while we worship during our worship sets. Let's see, I think it was 12 to 14 years ago, um, and I don't even know if Abby remembers this story, so uh, I'm going to tell it. Um, we were early on in our marriage and still trying to figure out what roles we played in certain situations. Uh, at, at that point, we were taking a drive in Canada. I don't remember for sure what for, but it was probably to go and visit Abby's parents who at the time were living in Calgary. I remember that Abby needed to take a nap. Okay, so she did, and uh, I don't remember how long she napped, but I know that I was driving, and I was enjoying the beautiful scenery around. So uh, I forget how long she slept, and I forget how long I enjoyed the beautiful scenery around, but what I do remember is this. At one point, she woke up, and she said to me, where are we? I didn't have the slightest clue where we were. And, my only, and the only thing I could muster was Canada. A few minutes later, we had looked at, you know, a few key landmarks and saw this sign that said a certain city was only kilometers away. And we realized I was in the wrong province. <laughs> at some point, I had taken a wrong turn, and I didn't know it. Abby helped me get back on the right path and uh, the right road, and, and we made it to where we were going. But isn't, isn't that just life? I mean, sometimes you end up going on the wrong road, yeah, literally and, and figuratively. And isn't it just life that at some point, sometime in, in your, your journey with people, you're going to talk to somebody who feels like they're going down the wrong road, Right? Maybe, maybe they, they're saying, wow, I, I made a few choices in life that I'm, I'm reaping the consequences of. Or, or maybe they're looking in the mirror and, and saying, I'm not the person who I wanted to be. I just, I don't feel like I'm going where I need to be going. There's, there's times where that person really just needs a pat on the back and a hug. Okay? There's other times where that person may need Jesus. Where their life is genuinely going down the wrong direction and they need to be pointed back to Christ, to that right road. There's, there's times where they're going to need that nudge. Now, Lord willing, as a church, if we are being salt and light in our communities, in our spheres of influence, we're going to be ready when somebody says something along the lines of, wow, I think I'm going the wrong way. We're going to be able to be that nudge towards Jesus that they need at that time. This morning, we're going to look at a ministry tool, at an example, a way that you can be that nudge. We're going to look at it in three different depths, kind of three different styles. So by the end of today, you should know it fairly well. Before we start, though, by a show of hands, who's familiar with the evangelistic tool, the Romans Road? Oh, great. Okay, so how many are not familiar with it? Okay, so, and how many just didn't want to raise their hand because they... They don't like raising their hand in church. So they think I'm going to call on them. <laughs> okay, good. This will be good. This will be new for some of you and review for others of you. This is a tool. When you're talking with somebody and they say something like, I just I think I'm going the wrong way. We're going to start off by, by imagining I'm having a conversation with somebody. And maybe they say something like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe I did that. How could that person ever love me again because of that? How could God ever love me after knowing all the things I've done? Man, I'm a a loser. I'm no good. At some point in life, you're you're bound to have a conversation with somebody like that. So we're going to pretend I'm having that conversation. And here's how I would respond. If someone were to say to me, ah, I'm just no good, I'd probably say, you're right. You're right. But in fact, nobody is good. Nobody. I would tell them, not Mother Teresa, not the Pope, not even your mom. Okay? Nobody is good. In fact, the Bible tells us that very clearly, that if we're to judge goodness by the standard God has set, nobody is good. We all don't reach that standard. God said, okay, this is the standard of goodness, and nobody in humanity, from the beginning till the end, has ever lived up to it." So we've all sinned. If I'm having this conversation with somebody, I'd clarify sin being, you know, we do something that God doesn't like, that, that is against the way he would have us normally live. Well, when we sin, what we earn is death. It's like wages. When you work a job, you get paid. When we sin, we earn Death. Now, I'm not just talking about stopping breathing. I'm talking about a separation from God. Because God can't be in the the presence of sin, in the presence of things that He does not agree with. So when we sin, we earn the right to be kicked out of God's presence both now and forever. Pretty serious stuff, I may say to the person I'm talking to, right? Hopefully they agree. Yeah. Well, here's the kicker our sin which is supposed to separate us from God, it, it, it keeps us away from him, God himself has made a way to take that away. He's made a way to make that right with himself, and that way is real easy. It's Jesus. Huh. Easy. Jesus. And, and it comes in the form of some pretty fantastic love. Some amazing love. The Bible tells us God loved us so much, That he made a way, while we were still living in a way that God didn't approve of, to be made right with him. So if I'm having a conversation with somebody, I might say, you claim that you're no good. And I agree, yes, you're right. But because Jesus has come, God has made a way for you to become good. To be seen right in his eyes. To have a right relationship with him. Now, if this person I'm talking to is kind of interested, kind of nodding, I'm like, well, you want to hear how simple it is? Okay, good. You believe the things I've said. You you believe this God has has made this way to be made right with us because of Jesus. Okay. Well, then tell somebody. Speak it. Say it. Tell it loud. Confess it with your mouth. And then believe that it's true in your heart. And guess what? The Bible tells us that's that. You've been made in right relationship with God because of that. That makes sense? Now hopefully the person I'm talking to is like, huh, I think it makes some sense. What you've seen me do just now is walk somebody down the Romans road in hopefully a language that will relate to them. There was some christian lingo in there, uh, not as much as there could have been. But hopefully it was spoken in a way that doesn't uh, make think, wow, that guy's a Bible thumper. But we've taken him down the Romans road. It could be that this person is a thinker, and they say, ah, you know what, you you seem to like to talk a lot, James. And, and, and it seems to me like, uh, well, you said the Bible says a whole bunch of times, but you never really pointed out where in the Bible. Can you show me where it says all that? And if, if they say that, it's like, yeah, let me show you. In, inside your bulletin, Uh, there is a picture of a road sign with a few blanks. We're going to lay out the Romans road as found in the passages of Romans. Feel free to write it down. This will be good, something for you to go back and look at and, and embed on your heart. So if they say to you, where in the Bible does it say all that stuff? You tell me I'm no good, where does it say that? Well, let's start in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, where it says, as the scriptures say, No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does what is good. Not a single one. So at that point, they're probably thinking, okay, yeah, you made your point. The Bible does say nobody does good. And I would say, well, you go to the next verse, Romans 3.23, where it says, everyone has sinned. And we fall short of God's glorious standard. The Pope, Mother Teresa, and your mom—they're all included in this. Everyone has sinned. Now, I might say to the person, "Remember, I was talking about uh, what death earns us, right?" Well, if we flip over to Romans six twenty-three, that says, "For the wages of sin, what sin earns us? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, oh, but the free gift of God is eternal life." through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, this is where we talked about that amazing love of God. You flip back to Romans 5, verse 8 and 9. It says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight, By the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So far, we're walking them through the Romans' road. We've looked at the fact that all have sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. The wages of sin is death, but God's made a way to be made right with Him through Christ. And then the, want to hear how easy it is, part of the conversation? That comes in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And you believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. A couple of verses later in verse 13, it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And right there, you've been walked through the Roman road, through the book of Romans. I tried, to, I tried to figure out a different place to insert this little section, um, but now is as good a time as any. This is a great tool to have. It's a great tool to put to memory. But it's also a tool that you can use to knock somebody around with. I want to say that when you use this tool, you need to be in relationship with the people. Today's generations, they don't want you to come and, and Hi, I'm James. you feel like you're going down the wrong road in life? Well, let me tell you, you're no good. Right? They don't want that. You need to earn the right to be heard as Pastor Dwight used to say. I know this because I have failed at it. I have failed at it miserably. 6 7 years ago, I met a junior high kid, 7th grader on the disc golf course. I was out playing. We started talking, a little little bit of small talk, and then I dropped the Romans road bomb on him. "Hey, man, you feel like you're going down the wrong road?" Yeah? Well, look, you're no good. But we've all sinned, and I walked him through this Romans Road as we're playing disc golf, and come the end of it, he's just, he lived in my neighborhood, never saw him again, never talked to him again, okay? You can use this tool poorly, but you can also use it really, really well if you are in a relationship with somebody, This is scripture. God's word speaks, God's word word moves. There may still be times where you have one conversation with somebody in your entire life and you walk them through this and they come to know Christ and, and it's fantastic. God still works like that. He does. But for the most of our generation and the generations to come, they want to know you love them for who they are. And then they're going to listen to you. Okay? So far, we've looked at the Romans' road in everyday language, and we've looked at the Romans' road through the book of Romans. Now, it could be that you're talking to somebody really, really smart, and they say to you, Hey, James, I know that the Bible's made up of a whole bunch of different books with a whole bunch of different authors. And I'm smart enough to know that when you're walking me through this Romans road, it's just one person. And James, honestly, it looks like you picked and chose a couple of verses from a diff- couple of different places in that book to make a point. Does all of Scripture really say what this one text says? If you're talking to somebody like that, hey, good luck. Just kidding. If you're talking to somebody like that, great. Because it means they, they care, they think. Okay? They want to know, before they commit their life to something, why they're doing it. They want to know how. They want to know what it means. They want to know that it's all through here, not just one person saying it. Those are the type of people you want on God's kingdom team. Because once they're in, they won't be able to stop telling people this. So if they say to you, really, is this anywhere else? You have the chance to say, yeah, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. So we're going to do that. We're going to walk through digging just a little bit deeper into this Romans road. And feel free to take additional notes on your insert. So we start off by talking to the people about the fact that nobody is good. And we read that passage, right? Romans 3, 10 through 12. No one's righteous. No one's seeking God. They've all turned away. No one does good. Not a single one. This is not just Paul pulling ideas out of thin air. This is not him lamenting the state of humanity around the water cooler on his lunch break. This is Paul echoing King David, who wrote something hundreds of years earlier. Psalm chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Just listen to it. David wrote, Only fools say in their heart, There is no God. They are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. Sound familiar? The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. If anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good. Not a single one. King David must have really believed that because he wrote that exact same thing again in Psalm 53. Back then they didn't have cut and paste. So I think he probably would have thought, yeah, I should say that again. There's been a few psalms. Let me throw that back in there. Now, The person who wrote Ecclesiastes, King David's son Solomon, wrote this in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. He says, but I did find this. God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. Somebody else, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Not just some of us, all of us, he says. And The apostle John jumped to the New Testament, and 1 John wrote this, 1 John 1, 8, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves, and we're not living in the truth. John is just reiterating the fact that nobody has done good. We have all sinned. That's the first mile marker on this Romans road. The second one ties closely to the first. It's the fact that we all come up short of God's glorious standard. Romans 3.23, a lot of us probably have it memorized. For all have sinned and come short of God's glorious standard. Like I said, it ties closely into the first one that no one does good. King Solomon, again, when he was praying a prayer of dedication over the temple. He had spent years and years building it, collecting parts and pieces and gold and silver and threads, and, and he's finally at that point where he's praying the prayer of dedication over it. He realizes that the people who are going to be worshiping in this temple, just because they go into the temple, are not always going to be good. So in his prayer, he says this in 1 Kings eight forty six, God, if they sin against you, and who has never sinned, You might become angry with them. Let their enemies conquer them. Take them to a faraway land. And who has never sinned? This wasn't a hypothetical question for God. It was more of a statement of fact. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. I mentioned that in a few verses earlier. In chapter 7, verse 20, he says, Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Sounds a lot like for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. I'll tell you a personal story. And again, I apologize this morning that there's a lot of personal stories. Whether you have been following Christ for years and years and years, or whether you're a new believer, or whether you're not even a believer, this all have sinned still is true. I was coming back from the Oregon coast about a week and a half ago, and I stopped at Burger King to get the family a meal. Well, Burger King got the the order wrong. And they were going to charge me $3 more to get it right. I fell short of God's glorious standard. In the way I treated the first person, in the way I treated the manager after that first person. And I drove away thinking to myself, oh, I'm no good. And what am I teaching my sons? I've been following Christ for over 30 years. I still fall short of God's glorious standard. It's the second mile marker in the Romans Road. The third mile marker is in Romans 6.23. And here's where we get our first glimmer of hope after seeing the fact that, wow, we all are bad and nobody does good. The front half of that verse says, the wages of sin is death. This too ties into other passages in the Bible. It ties back all the way to the beginning of chapter chapter 2, verse 17 in Genesis. God was talking to Adam and Eve and telling them, this is what you should eat, this is what you shouldn't eat. In verse 2, verse 17, God says, But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. They ate from it, death entered the world. And this focus on death becomes more and more evident the more and more you dive into scriptures after that point on. Proverbs 11, verse 19. Truly the righteous attain life, but whoever pursues evil finds death. Death. The verses earlier, we looked at who was righteous? Nobody. Okay, So that means we all pursue evil, which leads to death. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, God says, For everyone belongs to me, the parent as well as the child. Both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Death is what sin brings. But then we get to this blessed turn in the road. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Indeed, amen. Now, it could be that this is just Paul saying, oh, okay, I'm going to start being optimistic. I'm going to start thinking, yeah, okay, we can turn this thing around. In fact, if we jump to Romans 5, 8, we would be reminded that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. We've been made right in God's sight. This is not just Paul's dreaming. This is not just his envisioning a, a better utopia, a better, a better place to live. This is found in the pages of Scripture before he writes that. Isaiah 53, verse 11. And because of his experience, this is talking about Jesus, because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. And he will bear the, the sins of all people. He does that because of great love. John 3.16. You guys are familiar with it. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not die but have eternal life? Life, not death, right? And He does that because of His great, great love. Jesus talks about this in John 15:13. Greater love has no one than this, but to lay down his life for a friend. You go to the other John 3:16, 1 John 3.16, and it says, We know what real love is, because Jesus gave his life for us. God's love, God's way. These are signposts on the Roman road found throughout Scripture. The final road sign is Romans 10 9 and 10 where it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved first by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved believe confess sounds too easy right sounds too good to be true right when I was leading the, the student ministry six and a half, seven years ago, we were looking at this verse in Romans. And we, we, we read it. The straightforward with it. Confess, believe. And I had a senior who, who had been raised in a solid Christian home look at me and say, really? That's it? There's no more to it? Confess and believe? No, that's, that's it. And it's not just Here. It's in other passages as well. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, "...whoever acknowledges me before others, whoever confesses me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven." Confess, saying it out loud. Now the believe part, you look in the book of Acts, and the jailer asks Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Their response, Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your entire household confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. These simple actions can put you on a whole new road of life. Now you've seen it. Three different ways. The Romans road. One in non-Bible-thumping language. One just looking at the book of Romans and one looking at it through the page of Scripture. There's a ton in this book of Romans. It's deep. It's rich. I encourage you this week, this week, read the entire book. Sixteen chapters, that means only about two, two and a half chapters a day. Read it. See the depth. See the richness that you find in there. And if you get bogged down in some of the details, know that we're going to be spending the next seven to nine weeks just kind of unpacking it. We're going to hit right before Thanksgiving. We'll finish. And by the end of it, we'll be able to say, okay, this is what Romans was about. Don't miss out over the next several weeks because we're going to be doing some Roman road construction where we dig and where we pull and where we push and where we hear God's heart. 12 to 14 years ago, I was on the wrong road in Canada. My wife helped me get back on the right road. There's going to be people you run into that are going down the wrong road we can use scripture to help point them back in the right direction so be an exciting series I'm looking forward to it let's ask God's blessing on the weeks ahead Lord Jesus I thank you for the upcoming weeks uh, the chance we have to dig into a very rich and deep book Uh, God I thank you that uh, even though it may be confusing your word is clear We have done things that separate us from you. You have made a way for us to be made right with you. We just get to accept that free gift of Jesus Christ. We get to believe it. We we get to confess it. And we are thus deemed right with God. We are thus deemed good in your sight. I thank you for that. I thank you for this simple Roman road in this book. I I pray, Lord, that you give us opportunities to share this with people we're in relationship with, with people we love with people we're learning to love, with people we are just getting to know. Help us do it with grace. God, help us speak clearly what message you want. And help us stay out of the way as your spirit is the one who ultimately will reveal who you are to people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.